Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson with Luke Heaton. We're here for the next hour to unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter. We're glad to be here today following the Sweet 16 over the weekend. We will talk a ton of March Madness today. And it's so interesting because now tonight, And Tuesday night, we get the Elite Eight games, two each night. It's going to be fantastic, Uh, but we'll discuss that. Do we like the new schedule? How how do fans feel uh, about the the schedule this year? Uh, We'll talk about some of the teams that that lost over the weekend. Now they're out. Oral Roberts, Loyola, they're done. Say goodbye to a couple of the Cinderella's, but how about Oregon State? Still alive. UCLA, can we call them a Cinderella? Always seems weird to call UCLA a Cinderella, but... Coming from the first four, here they are in the Elite Eight. And so we will get into that. Some some interesting things going on in the NFL. We'll, we'll see how much time we have uh, to get into that. Of course, April, we'll really get into uh, the NFL leading up to the draft. But, but we'll try to touch on a couple things. Uh, I'm going to try to get to something that Joe Flacco said. I don't know why I'm a Joe Flacco hater, but sometimes if he says something, I want to jump on it. So maybe because App State beat Delaware uh, in the national championship when he was the quarterback. But uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see if we have some time for that. Also, the NBA trade deadline uh, this past Thursday, some interesting things happened. And and then the Lakers, they got Andre Drummond, uh, who, who was bought out from the Cavs. So, so much is going on in the world of sports, but nothing better than the madness. I, I've absolutely loved the madness. And USC getting a big win late last night. Uh, so, so that was impressive over Oregon. Uh, but before we jump in, Uh, Let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. You can subscribe to the Unpack This devotional, which we will talk about in in just a little bit. Uh, Today's topic will be about shot selection. We're going to talk about shot selection and, and what that has to do with uh, our faith and, and, and following Jesus. So uh, we'll have some fun with that. But Luke, let me say hello to you. Good morning. How was the weekend? How was the first non-wedding, non-honeymoon weekend for you and your new bride? Yeah, I'll tell you what. It is uh, learning quickly how to be a, how to be a good husband. So uh, <laughs> I, I, we, we were talking I'm last still night. Learning. Yeah, still learning. It's so fascinating. Of course, March Madness falls on the very beginning of our marriage. So Oof. I'm in this I'm in this catch 22 of I want my wife is clearly my priority. How can I show her that better? But also, March Madness, she knows March Madness is my favorite sporting event out of everything. Mm. So I'm trying to soak that up and she loves supporting my sports fandom. And I think Mm. she's realizing that when I say I love March Madness, I mean, I want to watch every second of every (laughs) single game. And because at one, I'm a huge basketball junkie. And two, I just, oh, I mean, round of 64, round of 32, sweet 16. Some people will take the sweet 16 off, report back for the final four. I want to watch every second possible. So, um, figuring out how to, you know what, my life's more important than games uh, and how to navigate that. So, but besides that, shout out to the Pac-12, unbelievable showing out in this tournament so far. Um, But the week was great. The week was great. Did some laundry. The mundane things are awesome. I'm loving the mundane things of marriage. Just waking up next to each other, doing laundry, 
having dinner. Oh, it's good stuff. That's awesome to hear, man. I, I love it. And uh, I, I had an awesome weekend, hung with uh, little Maddie yesterday. We watched some basketball and tried to watch a, a, a kid's movie at the same time. So I was, I was utilizing the oh, two TVs, which normally is two games, but, mm-hmm. but switching it up, throwing, it, throwing on a little Ratatouille. Have you ever seen Ooh, that movie? Ratatouille. That's a great one. Good, good I, movie. Uh, so was it, was it successful trying to double dip there? It actually lasted about five minutes. So okay. then I was chasing around the, the man cave. And so then we just had to go up to the playroom, which I also have a TV in the playroom. Uh, some may shake their head on that one, but it, it, it works. It works. It's, it's, a, it's a key key addition. We're having fun. We're playing in the playroom and we're keeping an eye on the game. It is an efi- it's an efficient use of time. That's right. It was actually during the Gonzaga game. And so let, let's start there because Gonzaga was just absolutely dominant. And so we start each show with I'm convinced. And, and so I'll let you know what I'm convinced of. We'll hear from Luke. He'll tell you what he's convinced of from the weekend. And, and then we want to hear from you as well. So you can leave your comments on the chat. What are you convinced of from the weekend? And, and so I'm going to stick with this, and I'll probably say it maybe, maybe one more time because uh, I think Gonzaga will, will be in the championship on Monday. But I'm convinced they are still the team to beat. They are the best team. They are really head and shoulders above everybody else. Like, I think Baylor's good. I think Michigan's good. Those three, you know, the, the number one seeds, those are, those are the teams that, that, of course, have shown it throughout the regular season and in the conference tournaments and, and all that. But, but at this point, Gonzaga's just running away from people. There, I, I saw you know, a headline on, on ESPN. It's like Gonzaga's not even feeling the pressure of going undefeated. Like, that, that's not even, they're just taking one game at a time and just blowing people out. So, so I'm convinced that they're the real deal and, and they are the team that, that should win. And the, the great thing about March Madness is you can have an off game and you're out. So Gonzaga can still go down. But as of today, they are the beat. So I'm convinced of that. And then I got a couple other things just to throw out there to you, uh, Luke, that, that I'm convinced of. One, I'm convinced I miss the fans. Now, I know there are some fans scattered in the arena, but, but I miss the 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 shots of a full crowd, the, the shots of the fans cheering and crying, the the emotion on on the fans' faces. I, I miss that this year. March Madness has been fantastic. I'm so thankful to have it. You know, in perspective, when we didn't have it a year ago, to now have it, thrilled. But I, I want the fans there. I, not even that, that I want to be there. I like watching on TV. I like having the multiple TVs. But 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 I want to see the diehards, the, the ones that are wearing the, the team colors. I want them there. Now, it was cool during the UCLA game to see uh, Mick Cronin's dad in the crowd. It was I always love watching the, the, you know, the older dad that is like feeling every emotion. That's always fun. So I'm convinced that was cool in the UCLA game. Uh, but I miss the fans. You know what I also miss? I miss the benches. I miss the players linking arms on the final free throws, on the final seconds of the game. I want to see those guys linking arms. Now, I, I understand with the coronavirus, everybody's got you know protocols in place, and, and somehow they, they thought that these players needed to be spread out on the bench, even though during the huddles, they all put their arms around each other. And on the, on the floor, they all share the same basketball. They high-five and hug each other. <laughs> But on the bench, they need to be separated. So that's what they decided. I'm not in charge, and so that's fine. We're, we're all for safety. That's good. But I miss the linked arms. I, I don't know why. Maybe I took it for granted, but that creates the atmosphere, the, the intensity, the tension at the end of games. Uh, so let me, let me pause there, Luke. Let, let you jump in. Uh, but that's what I'm convinced of uh, so far. So I'm my I'm convinced is I'm going to double down on I was totally about to say I miss the benches. Oh, and were I, you really? Oh, absolutely. You're totally <laughs> spot on there. Specifically, like when uh when Monmouth when they were famous for their bench the dances, the reactions, a big oh, dunk. They're doing these choreographed dances on the bench for the dudes that don't go in. That is incredible. That's what makes college basketball so great and I agree with you. Maybe I'm missing something on the, how the players are seated. Uh, I thought they were stands. tested. Were they not tested? It just, it just seems so illogical to me. Like, I, I, and I'm not trying to give some political hot take here, but from just the surface level, it seems illogical to spread them out when they're going to go in the court. They're all being tested, and even the coach. To it just it feels like just optics. 
Um, I'm, def- yeah, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not an anti-masker. I'm just my 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 illogical radar. My illogical radar is, is going off. So I, I'm just. It's just. It's so weird. Like, why aren't they spread out? I, and, I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then I also for for the coaches with the masks. So they're the only ones with the masks, but mm-hmm. they don't wear the mask. And so the the shots, all the camera shots, all game long are them. With the mask on, on, off, on, off. And my favorite is they have it on when no one's around them, and then they take it off when they talk to somebody. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to understand that as well. So it's very confusing. Now, on the positive side, whatever they're doing, we're here in the Elite Eight, and we've only had one team that had to go home, which was VCU. So I guess what they're doing is working, so I'll give them the love for that. But just as a fan watching on TV, that's been uh, confusing and and then – just to the, the point of missing the uh, the benches. So yeah, yeah, and yeah, and overall, <clears throat> it's been good. I mean, Kansas had some players out uh, due to COVID. a couple players think, out. For yeah, sure. yeah, but yeah, the only team to go home VCU, uh, which was disappointing. The the coach had a, a good response, just gut wrenched for his players. But yeah, the benches, college basketball, the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement even prior to March Madness. So you finish the regular season, then you go to championship week with the conference mm-hmm. tournaments. And in most years, besides this year, I mean, people think, it's just crazy. March and April, I feel like I'm the most un, un, unrelational person <laughs> at, in the entire year during March and April because you have championship week and I'm watching all those games to see how that's going to affect seating. And then you have selection Sunday and then you're filling out brackets and then you have March Madness so I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm on the clock for all of that, and then it, it's a smooth transition into the Masters. So oh, yeah. maybe my other, I'm convinced that I'm convinced March and April are the two best sports months out of the entire year for my yeah. pa- for my palate with all the basketball, and then the and then in transitioning into the Masters, it is sports heaven this time of year. Uh, so very glad to have March Madness back, have the Masters back. Oh, it's it's just my sports palette is just salivating. It's amazing. <laughs> so, it, no, I'm with you, and and I, I will say th- this tournament has been excellent. And it, it's been, like, different in so many ways, you know, some of the things I've talked about with the fans and that kind of thing, but then also just the teams that are in it. Like, to, to look at the bracket and go, okay, here's our Elite Eight, Baylor, Arkansas, Oregon State, Houston, Gonzaga, USC. And then, okay, UCLA, yeah, we know that they've been there before. Michigan, okay. So, but even UCLA, they've, they've had their their down years for sure. And, and Michigan, uh, they've been pretty good because Beeline, he left to go to the NBA. So it wasn't like they hit a, a, you know, a downward turn and had to hire a new coach. Uh, I don't know why Beeline left, but that was a, an unfortunate decision for him to go coach the Cavs. It never so made any unfortunate. Oh, it was such so a weird hire, and it was a disaster. But needless to say, getting Jawan Howard for Michigan was such a great hire and great fit, and, and good for him. Um, and so, so it's just so interesting. And so, so my question for us today, and we're going to get to to unpack this, but but I want everybody listening to to think about this. So, of, of all those teams, who are you rooting for? Well, like what storyline is most intriguing? Because chances are the majority of, of people listening today, you are not a fan of Houston. You're not a fan of USC. Now we've got some some uh unpacking it loyalists uh in, in Los Angeles and you know California and out west. Uh and one of our one of our big supporters, I mentioned him last week, Steve. Steve in Oregon. He is a beaver, Oregon State. So I've been getting the text from him. We may even have to get him to call in one of these days, but but Oregon State. But but the point is, these are some random teams. I mean, Arkansas, I know they won in the early 90s with Nolan Richardson, but it's been a long time for them. So it's not like they have this huge fan base. So for us, you know, who who do we go for? Do we like the the Scott Drew story? Because I'm a Bryce Drew guy, so I got to go with Scott Drew. Do we like Eric Musselman at, at Arkansas? Remember, he took Nevada, kind of a fun style of play. Uh, do we like the the kind of UCLA coming back to the top? They're the, they're the one true blue blood uh, still alive. Michigan, eh, kind of, but not not particularly. Um, and so USC, pretty fun. 
they're, they're as, as fun of a team to, to watch. Uh, and then Gonzaga, do you want to see Gonzaga go undefeated? Is that the storyline that, that you want to see? Uh, so we'd love to, to, to see your comments, and, and we can go through some of that. Um, so, Luke, go, jump in, but then, then I want to do unpack this, and, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more. Yeah, something I <clears throat> just kind of realized as you're going through the, those coaches, the coaches might be a more interesting storyline in the Elite Eight than the teams. And like Following these coaches is actually fascinating. Obviously, Mark Few at Gonzaga, Tons of tons of people, including myself, are rooting for him. Yep, yep. Scott 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 Drew Baylor been there since '03, has had which is crazy. I I, I heard that. I go. That I can't know. be right. Two thousand He came. I think he came as an assistant at Valpo, straight to Baylor. Yeah. In '03, what, was and he then had morning that was there. Goodness. And has had some very low lows and some nice highs. Um, Eric well, Musselman, and, and, and also ahead. with Baylor, though, think about the the program that they were. I mean, with Dave Bliss yeah. and, and all the, the shenanigans that took place there, for them to yep. come out of that is huge. Yep, and then, yeah, Eric Musselman, great, uh, love watching him. Jawan Howard, that's really fascinating. Mick Cronin at UCLA, when he was hired there, not a lot of people were excited because, remember, they were UCLA was trying to hire Luke Walton to be their head coach, and they uh, ended up it. getting, and then they ended up getting uh, Mick Cronin. And, as a, and, and I think Jawan Howard being hired at Michigan – is going to end up being the worst thing for Indiana basketball because them hiring Mike Woodson mm. is probably part in part due to seeing Michigan hire a former player. And Mike Woodson, If I mean, I, I was reading a lot of uh, college basketball analysts yesterday. That is not a popular hire among the national analysts. Just with his, but he's been a pretty good coach. He's been an assistant a long time. He was he was okay with the Knicks, but they didn't have a ton of players at that time. Yeah, I just I hope it works out for Indiana because I love. What surprise you? I love watching when Indiana's good. That's always exciting. But that'll be interesting. But there's a lot of exciting coaches left in the tournament, and I'm very excited to see how they pan out, even as much as these teams. Yeah, Andy Enfeld coming from Gulf Co- uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. You know that doesn't always translate. When you you get the one big Cinderella run, then you get hired to a big program, thinking, "Oh, this guy's going to make the next step." That does not always work, but it's working at USC. The fact that they are in the Elite Eight is a huge deal, and and again, they're they're one of the more fun teams to to watch. And and I'm going to give we'll jump in and unpack this. I'm going to give a little teaser because I'm going to write about this later today. But the the realization that the the Pac-12 is unbelievable. Oregon State, UCLA, USC. Now, that's the 11 seed, 12 seed, and 6 seed. Nobody thought these teams were great. But you know why? Because we don't watch them. We don't know them. We, you know, we're on the East Coast. I'm in Charlotte, so you're out in Texas, Luke, so maybe you see a little bit more West Coast basketball. But but the, the media is so biased. Fans, you know, a lot of basketball fans are, you know, ACC, Big East, even the SEC, you know, those are your, even the Big Ten, I guess the Big Ten. Those would be the big fan bases in, in college basketball. And so we don't always watch the the, the Pac-12. And, and so we don't always know what they're about. Um, and so I'm going to write about that uh, later today for, for today's devotional. Uh, just because oftentimes we, we wonder, we want, we, we think God is a certain way. But we don't always know. We don't always know scripture. We don't always know the true character of God because we're listening to somebody else or we're not spending the time to truly know him. And, and so that's kind of with us with USC. We like draw these conclusions about USC or UCLA or Oregon State, but we just don't know because we're not staying up late to watch them. I watched, I watched them this morning on the, uh, on the YouTube TV app where uh, you get all the key plays. So that's how I watched them last night. But that's not fully knowing uh, USC. So that's a quick teaser, but this is what I want to talk about for today's Unpack This. Uh, this is what I wrote about on Friday, and I, I think it's worth uh, considering today for us as we begin a new week and as we all face you know, decisions every day that we have to make. And when I watch the NCAA tournament, one of the common themes as I'm enjoying the madness, I also get a little mad when it comes to shot selection. And these guys, they're, they're great shooters. They can hit the three. A, a lot of tremendous, talented players. But oftentimes, they throw up shots so early in the shot clock. 
They force the three. They take off, off balanced shots. They, they sometimes like dribble with their head down and don't see the wide open guy in the paint because they're, they're looking to be the hero and they want to take the shot. And this especially happens, you know, down the stretch toward the end of games where they're not always getting the best shot. And so I find myself, you know, yelling things at the TV, like, you don't need that. Or why did you shoot that? Or, you know, get a better shot. And, and so, you know, we have to, to show these guys some grace because it's, it's an intense environment, even though the fans are limited, but it's still, it's, it's, it's March madness. Everybody's watching, you feel the pressure. And some of these guys want the ball in their hands and they want to take the shot. And, and you know, what gets me though, is when you're down one and you take the three. Like, don't take the three. You don't need the three. Just get the two. Get into the paint. Draw a foul. So, so those are I'm, I'm, maybe I'm old school in that mindset, but uh, I, I love good shots, great shot selection. And, and so, you know, the, the three ways I think that, that kind of comes down to what makes a bad shot is impatience. So it's rushing a shot. You're not waiting for the good shot, you're taking a shot too quickly selfishness you want to be the hero so you're 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 forcing a shot so that you're the one that takes it and then the other thing is is not being aware so you're not aware that somebody else has a better shot or that somebody else uh is open and and so how does this this translate into our own lives well i think oftentimes we settle for bad shots we we settle for 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 the bad decision or or we settle for less than god's best and, and I believe that as we, as we seek God, as we pursue him, as we spend time with him, as we know him, he, he wants to show us the best way to go. He wants to show us his will. He wants to show us what's true and, and, and what's right. And, and, and so we have to yield to him and rely on him when we make decisions. Well, what, what ends up happening? Those same three things when it comes to a bad shot comes to bad decisions. We're impatient. So we rush a decision, a decision instead of being patient and waiting on God to open up the be- the best door, the right door. We kind of go and, and force something, and we settle for the for the bad shot. And then oftentimes we we aren't aware. We're, we're we got we have our head down and we're so focused kind of on our on our own maybe problems or our own life, and we're not aware of what God's doing around us or the people that He's putting in our in our path to say there's some wise counsel. I'm going to speak through that person. And so it's kind of like that open, you know, throw the, throw the ball to the other guy uh, in, that, in that last second shot versus oh, I'm just going to force a shot. No, we don't have to force the bad decisions. Um, and, and then the other one, um, whether it's a, a awareness, and then it's just kind of selfishness. So impatience, awareness, and selfish thing. We want to be the hero. And so we, we take bad shots because we're, we're being selfish. And, and so we, we do something out of our own selfish ambition. And, and so it ends up being a bad shot. It, it ends up being a bad decision for us. And so instead of taking these, these off-balance shots, these forced shots, uh, we can choose to place our faith in God and seek him to show us the right shots and ultimately experience his best. And so in Hebrews, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him for whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists, that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. And so that's the amplified version. So faith, we come to him, we acknowledge he exists, and he he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. And so part of that that reward is knowing the right shots to take, knowing the right path to be on and and following his his leading and and guiding. And, And so uh, that's the encouragement for us today. And it says in, in uh, second Corinthians that this, this says about this about Jesus, that he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And so the, the closer we follow Jesus and the longer we pursue him, our lives become less impatient, less selfish, and we become more aware of what's happening around us and so we no longer have to live for ourselves and settle for less than God's best. And so we can live for Christ and stop taking the bad shots. So you can unpack that today. Uh, Luke, how's your shot selection? What do you think uh, about taking bad shots in, uh, in the tournament as well as in life? 
Well, I will say my shot selection with my wife, uh, it may have been the best shot I've ever taken. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Shot, well yeah, done. Sh- shot my shot there. And uh, yeah, had a poor shooting percentage prior to that, but uh, <laughs> was able to hit on that. Was able to hit on that one. So, uh, but yeah, I love the point. It's actually related to what um, my pastor was preaching on on Sunday. This idea of risk is right, and you, you're bringing up this point of it's so easy to want to take our own shot, a bad shot, force a shot, force a play, whether through impatience or lack of trust. And in our relationship with God through the Son, it's going to be, there's going to be plenty of times where we want to take our own shot or force a shot because we either don't trust God, we're impatient, we think God uh, isn't near us. So we think, okay, I'm going to have to take it upon myself. Or I want to say no to God. I don't want to say yes to him. So I'm going to still take my own shot anyway. And in order to avoid this risk that goes hand in hand in being in relationship with God. Mm. But following Christ is, is risky in the sense that you read scripture, God's constantly calling people to take risks. Now, not foolishness. Uh, That's what my pastor made sure to hit home. It's not foolish risks that are disobedient to God, but risks those would be bad shots. Yeah, yeah, those would be bad shots. But risks that are that are in obedience to God, like God calling Abram to leave everything, and I'll give you more details along the way. Um, he brought up the story of Esther. Esther having to go to the king on behalf of the Jews, which that would have been a major risk because uh, it would have put her in severe danger. And there's all the and you look at the apostles in the New Testament in jail being martyred, constant risk on evangelizing um, when Christianity was a brand a brand new faith. Um, so, and I look at my own life, man, I am, God's calling us to take risks, obedient risks, and the risks, risks because the world hates Christ, which is what Jesus said, the world is going to hate me. And following Christ in a world that hates Christ is a risk. But my pastor brought up another great point, Saying no to God is mighty risky. So when we put that in perspective, not following Christ, not being in a relationship with God, is a far greater risk than saying yes to God, because that's an eternal risk. Wow. And it's almost not even a risk, because you know we, we're confident in the outcome. You're either with Christ and with God, or you're not. But he put that in perspective of, guys, saying no to God is a far greater risk. Because you don't get you you either aren't in relationship with God or you don't get to fellowship with Him and commune with Him and be in His presence, which is the greatest part of life. So it's it's I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me of just being really encouraged by my pastor this weekend of man following Christ is risky. Hmm. It's 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 hard to say no to bad shots in life, but a good shot selection is obedience to God. Hmm. Um, yeah, but of course, uh, no, great. as we see time and time again, it is so hard to wait and to say yes to good shots. Mm. And no, I like that because yeah, it's not that we, we don't take the shot cause that's fear. So, so we definitely take the shot. It's just taking the right shot and, and, mm-hmm. and knowing and being, that's why when we're in tune with God and, and know his voice and know his, his prompting and his leading, then those steps of faith, we can take those steps and kind of risks that you were saying. We take those in confidence, knowing that, yeah, this is the shot I've got to take. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not, it's not going to be a bad one because he'll, he, he wants me to do it. So that's right. Yeah. Um, but I think too often, yeah, we just, we, we lean toward the impatience, the selfishness and just being unaware. And, and so we, we, we take bad shots in life. So and it's, it's um, like, it, it's freeing too. Cause I mean, think as a player, if you take the shot, your coach draws up for you, whether it goes in or not, your coach is backing you. That's right. Like, that's a good there's point. Not, there's, yeah. Like if I, if coach draws up uh, uh, a, a, a flare screen, I come off a flare if, to win the game. I catch it. I got an open look and I miss it. Hey, I've got the coach backing me. I was obedient to what the coach drew up. So if yeah. we're, when we're obedient to Christ, that doesn't mean it's still going to go how we thought it's going to go. Mm. Like, even if we think, okay, I'm going to be obedient to God here. 
this will probably happen. Even if that doesn't <laughs> happen, it's still obedience. Like we've, right. like we got the coach backing us. It's it's even when we're being obedient, it's so hard to still think of okay, this is probably the outcome. But we're not guaranteed to know any outcome, even when we're living in obedience. Mm. I like I like that parallel though of the uh, the coach drawing up the play, whether it goes in or not. The, you just got to be obedient to the coach. Take 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 the shot the way it's drawn up. I like that. That's a good one. I might have to unpack that a little bit further. So, uh, so good stuff from, from Luke there. Uh, we'd love to know your thoughts as you're listening. Uh, appreciate the comments, uh, chime in on, on Facebook or, or YouTube or Twitter, wherever you're, you're listening live. Uh, and those, those of you that end up listening later, uh, would love to hear from you as well. So you can email me Bryce at unpackingit.com, Bryce at unpackingit.com. And so each week on this show, we do unpack this. It's a, a topic about sports and faith and, and, and how they parallel, uh, you know, a story going on in, in sports, but how it parallels our own life and, and the Bible. And, and so, uh, that, that's what we're all about. So we're, we're sports fans following Jesus. And, and then we send out a devotional Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, so I'll write one today. Uh, I'm going to write about the, the Pac-12 today. I'm not sure I've ever written a devotional about USC <laughs> basketball or Oregon. I know I haven't written about Oregon State basketball. Today's the day. Maybe you still I may have done day UCLA. in sure. history. So, uh, so we're making history today. All right. So last week on the show, Luke put together a list that we shared uh, basically about the best players in the NBA and how they did in the NCAA tournament, drawing the conclusion that some of the best players in the NBA, like Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, James Harden, those guys weren't great in the tournament. I'm not saying Ben Simmons is one of the best players, but I'm just using him as an example. Him at LSU was not great uh, as a college player, but then he's he's had a nice career, decent career. He's got a ways to go. But anyway, but but that's what we talked about. This, year, this, this week on the show, we're flipping it. How about the guys who are awesome during March Madness? How do they do in the NBA? Because our boy Cameron Crutwig is done. He's out. Loyola. Oh, what a legend. Such a sad day. Such a sad still, day. You still love the guy. Uh, it was a bummer. They just did not have it. I mean, it was a decent game, but they just they never seemed to really get over the hump. And, and so that was a, a disappointment uh, with Loyola going down. And so he'll still go down as a legend. He could potentially come back for another year, which would be fantastic. So we're rooting for that. I don't think he's got a chance to go to the NBA. Uh, and then over at Syracuse, you got a guy like Buddy Beheim who who was starting to turn heads. Uh, Syracuse had a terrible game, and so they're out of the tournament. But uh, there's another guy who's, you know, his name's kind of popping up a little bit more. And so this happens every year. We're in the tournament, guys that, that weren't necessarily on everybody's NBA draft radar. They put together a couple nice games. They're sometimes on Cinderella teams. They're, they're legends in March Madness. Teams still draft them. But how do they do on the next level? Steph Curry, of course, is a legend. Let's go through a couple of, uh, of these other names. Bryce Drew, Valpo. We'll start with my guy. He was the 16th overall pick in the 1998 NBA draft. He played six years in the NBA, and he averaged 4.4 points. So not, not great for my, my boy Bryce Drew. He did play for the Hornets. Um, so as much of a hero as he was in March Madness, didn't translate. How about Kevin Pitsnoggle? Remember, <laughs> North Virginia. You got to love the, the Pitsnoggle. Uh, he, went he went undrafted, played a couple of years in the CBA D-League, but didn't make it to the NBA. Uh, and then what about Peyton Silva from uh, Louisville? Wasn't there an L so in his name at good. one point? I think it was Peyton Siva. Silva. I think, Silva? Siva. I think it's Siva. He's, oh, Siva. He unbelievable. Back-to-back -back Final Fours, won a national championship at Louisville, and he was the 56th pick in the 2013 draft. He only averaged 2.3 points per game, one NBA season. One NBA season, as good as he was in college. It just didn't translate. And then Mario Chalmers, your boy at Kansas. Rock shock, baby. I, I, noticed you gave, I noticed you gave the most stats for him. Uh, <laughs> he's, also, he's also had yeah, he had a pretty good career. I guess his career is over at this point. But uh, he spent 10 years in the league, averaged just over eight, almost nine points a game. Two-time NBA champion with the Heat. Uh, all rookie team he was the 34th overall pick. So it translated decent, decent for him. Uh, how about Chris Jenkins a couple years ago? Villanova made the game winning shot. He went undrafted in 2017, played some G League, and then in Germany, but never made it really to the to the NBA. Juan Dixon, 
man, he was awesome at, at Legend. Maryland. Legend. Him, him and Lonnie Baxter, you know, really good uh, college Steve, basketball players. Steve at Blake Maryland. as well. Steve Blake Steve, as well. What's funny of those three, I think Steve Blake had the best NBA career. Oh, by far, which is, which yeah, is he had kind, the longest. Of, kind of surprising, which is shocking. And, and also Danny Green at UNC. He's had the best career of all those guys, which we'll get yeah. to Hansborough in a moment. Uh, so Juan Dixon only averaged 8.4, seven seasons in the NBA. Uh, and that, that was it. So not, I mean, seven years in the league is okay. And then how about Tyler Hansbro? I mean, think about when I think about Gonzaga and what they're doing right now, just blowing teams away, clearly better than everybody. I think back to that UNC team. Was that like 08, 09, whatever year that was? Uh, it wasn't yeah. 08. It must have been 09. I think it was 09. It was 09. So Tyler Hansbrough and that team, they just dominated. I mean, in some ways, well, as a Duke fan, it was unfortunate, but they just weren't competitive games. And so Hansbrough on the next level, I thought he was going to be good. I thought he'd have that mid-range jumper, but it didn't translate. Seven years in the NBA, 6.7 points, 4.2 rebounds, a few years in China. Uh, But he was the 13th overall pick in 09. So yeah, that was right after that championship. Um, So anyway, it's just so interesting that, the guys that make a name during this tournament, that it's it's a different game in the NBA. And so what we're watching now and what we're looking for as far as what you know what it takes to succeed, what it takes to win championships, that's not what the NBA looks for, and that's not what ends up you know leading to to a, a long successful career. Danny Danny Green, he did I think he went undrafted or maybe in the second round out of UNC. He was like the fourth or fifth guy on that on that roster uh, on that championship team, and and he was the one that's still playing, still relevant. He's won a championship um, because he fits. He plays defense, hits the threes, the three and D guy, and basically can fit on any team in the NBA. Any team needs that type of guy. Whereas Hansbro, a little undersized, didn't just you know that toughness didn't translate. Uh, I keep using that word, but didn't translate to the NBA. So anyway, that's what I was thinking about this this weekend. I've got a couple honorable mentions. Okay. Now, uh, these two guys didn't win championships, but um, so I see uh, Ricky in the chat, Greg Oden, Johnny Flynn. Um, yeah. Gosh, Greg Oden, man, what a that was unfortunate to see. But my game, one of the worst. My, yeah, yeah, one of the worst. Florida back-to-back champs beat Ohio State same year. Florida beat Ohio State in football and basketball in the national championship. Still crazy. But honorable mentions: uh, Doug McDermott. Beast he's had a nice college. career. Yeah, nice solid, career. Solid career. Yeah, he's um, one of the better, you know, from a small school, having a big tournament. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Now, how about just one of the most sad things ever, Adam Morrison. Oh, Man. Please, please don't mention his name on this show. You, you do not mention his name. He was the third overall pick for the Charlotte Bobcats. I grew the stash. I went all in, and he was a, a total letdown. It was devastating. <laughs> Absolutely devastating. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Okay, and kind of flashback to last week. I was looking through um, a list of just March Madness legends. Shaq, obviously on the list. Aver- I mean, in the in the aver- easily a twenty and ten guy, never made it past the second round. Isn't that LSU, crazy? Doesn't they were ne- they were never better than a five seed. That it's LSU crazy. Shaq team, I yep. couldn't believe it. In his three years at LSU, I, I was I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's very interesting. So, so we, we covered it on both sides. And, and if, if, if you're listening, you could think of another name, either one side or the other, like unbelievable NBA player and they, they stunk in the tournament or, or a player that was unbelievable in the tournament and then stunk in the NBA. It's just interesting to think about those players. So, so let you, us know uh, uh, if you have any more. What do you think of Bobby Hurley? Well, his, he got a car accident. He got a car uh, accident. But yeah, okay. I mean, it, it okay. definitely his NBA career did not pan out. Kind of um, the Jay Williams route, unfortunately. But Christian Leitner, same thing. I mean, Christian Leitner is one of the yeah. best college, maybe the best college basketball player ever, all the records, and and his NBA career was very marginal. Bounced around a little bit. Well, he got stuck in Minnesota. If you get stuck in Minnesota, your career is over, <laughs> unless you're Kevin Garnett. He's the only like, one that ever escaped. Yeah, Minnesota. Because even Stephon Marbury couldn't. Uh, I mean, he did more in China than he did probably in the NBA. But, um, He's an icon but, in China. Absolutely, He icon. is an absolute legend. All right, so here's the other big big question for us as as sports fans watching the tournament, and so hopefully you're you're loving you know what we've seen over the weekend with the Sweet 16. Now we get the Elite Eight 
on Monday and Tuesday night. What do you think of that? Do you like that? Do you like having two games Monday, two games Tuesday? Because normally we get the Sweet 16 on the Thursday, Friday, and then the Elite Eight on the Saturday, Sunday. And I will say that I loved the Sweet 16 on Saturday, Sunday, but I'm not sure that I'm, I'm going to like Monday, Tuesday night. Um, but we'll see. I'm going to give it a shot tonight. Um, the games are, the game, you know, Oregon State, Houston, it may not be a sex pick or a, a matchup that like, ooh, I can't wait to watch that. But I'm very intrigued with Oregon State and, and our boy Steve uh, to see, you know, how far this number 12 seed can go. Um, and so that that's the other question that we're asking today. You know, what story are you rooting for now? Are you rooting for a coach? Are you rooting for a specific team? You know, very random schools here. And and so the the one other thing that we will see this year is most, well, I guess chances are we're going to see a new NCAA champion. So Michigan has won a championship before, UCLA, of course, and then Arkansas. But Gonzaga, USC, Baylor, Oregon State, and Houston. Houston never won, right? Yeah, Houston's never won. They they lost with with their studs. Back in um, five slam pajama, they never won. I don't think they won. Yeah, I don't. Th- I, I'm I'm almost positive. Um. So so those guys. So all of the those would be a first time winner. And I was doing a little research today. So there have been 21 schools that have won one NCAA championship, and then there are 15 schools that have won multiple. So that means 15 schools have won the majority. Of the championships. How interesting is that? 15 schools. So we're talking, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, UNC, Indiana, UCLA. Like those are the teams that, that have won most of the championships. Uh, and so this year we're seeing something a little bit differently, um, a little bit different. So, uh, you know, outside of UCLA, even, you know, Michigan and Arkansas, you know, not, they're not necessarily the powerhouses. Um, so I, I find that to be very intriguing. And so does this become a new trend moving forward that, that we don't see the Kentuckys and the Dukes as often as we were accustomed to for, for many years, or was this just a weird year? And, and this is, this is kind of what, what we've seen. And, and so as, as weird as it is to see some unique names on the bracket in the elite eight, here's, what's not that weird. Three number ones are left. We've got Arkansas three, Houston a two, and and then you know USC as a as a six. So at the end of the day, as we say it every most years, this is the case. The cream rises to the top once we get to the Elite Eight, and that's that almost always happens. It's just crazy to think that the cream is now Gonzaga, Baylor, uh, and, and a team like Houston. So uh, that that to me is is fascinating. But uh, but but Luke, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, and and the higher seeds are, I mean, Oregon State and UCLA. So, I mean, power five well, schools. True, true, definitely power. Well, UCLA, I mean, that's laughable. Like, they should be a top seed with all the resources, the history, yeah. and their yeah. recruiting ability. Come on, come on. It's a nice uh, story because they came from the first four, but yeah, still. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm totally with you. I love that there's a greater chance for a school that's never won it to win it this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I think this year's probably a fluke when it comes to the blue bloods. I don't think the, the one and done experiment is near, is nearly over. It's probably mm-hmm. just still just getting started. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think Calipari or, or coach K is going to change anything up. Um, but I mean, I'm still doubling down. I'm still all for the Zags and I yeah, know it's going to upset too. a lot of my, a lot of my Baylor friends, but Gosh, I still, I still want Mark Few to get one so badly, and I love that team. Um, they're just so dynamic. But I, I will say to to play devil's advocate with myself on, on, this, <laughs> on the CBS broadcast, the narrative seems like, oh yeah, who's going to beat Gonzaga? Who's going to beat Gonzaga? I think we're forgetting how unbelievable Baylor is. Like a little throwback, underrated. Throwback, like they were supposed to play in the regular season. Baylor is unbelievable. I mean, they, they only have two losses. They're deep. They're they're the number one three point shooting team in the country, and they're defensively ridiculous. So I I don't buy that Gonzaga. Who's who's going to beat this? Who's going to beat this Gonzaga team narrative? Because they have a a hard road to win it all. To wit, to beat USC is going to be extremely tough with the Mobley brothers. And USC mm. was a an atrocious three point shooting team in the regular season. 
Now their guards are hitting threes. So if you have two NBA bigs, for sure Evan Mobley, you have two guys that can that can play at the next level for sure as bigs, and you have your guards that are on a hot streak from three, this is not a team you want to play, especially Gonzaga isn't the biggest team. Um, well, I mean, I mean they got they got some size. They got, the, but like they're they're not, they're certainly not. Maybe not as long, but they're big. They got some big. They're just big boy yeah, Gonzaga just plays really fast. USC in the half court is is dangerous right now. And then I mean, yeah. So this the notion that Gonzaga is just auto, an automatic bid to the championship game, I don't buy. They've they're going to have to really play well to get there. Okay. No, I, to me, they'll probably handle USC all right. But then that Michigan game, I think Michigan Zaga in the Final Four is going to be really awesome. That that should that, that would I, be what I I expect to see. And I keep asking, what if, man? Like I keep like, what if Michigan had livers? It, it's it's so sad to me watching games and you see a player go down. I mean, they're they're leading scorer. I mean, I props to Juwan Howard for firing up his team to play without their best player, but. It, it's going to be hard, especially as Michigan fans, to just ask, what if? Especially if they lose and they don't win at all. Man, what if we had livers? That's the really unfortunate unfortunate storyline for me. Yeah, I remember uh, it was UCLA. When I first started watching college basketball, Tyus Edney went down, and, and they won without him. And he was like their star point guard, but, but the backup wow. came in, Cameron Dollar. Um, I think I'm rem- remembering that right. I mean, I'm talking... 10, 11 years old, but, uh, but yeah, so that uh, it has happened over the, over the years. I know with certain guys going down and, and other guys just step up and rally, but to your point, it's coaching. Coaching is key when, when you got to keep your guys focused and you, you put players in better positions like, all right, yeah. you're, you have an increased role making that clear and getting everybody bought in on that uh, is a big deal. So um, yeah, no, Michigan's got to be, be questioning, questioning that. And, Florida State, they kind of laid an egg too. There were there were a couple teams that that were that had a disappointing showing over the weekend, but then teams like Alabama, Oral Roberts, man, oh. they were right there in the end. I mean, those were some phenomenal games. Oral Roberts, the three at the end, oh, it could have gone down. And then oh. last night, the Alabama three to send it to overtime was fantastic. I mean, that that was one of the best plays we've seen in the tournament. And then it's just a bummer that it, you know it doesn't amount to anything because you, you end up losing in overtime. But but UCLA, goodness gracious! I mean that that's an impressive team. It really is. They seem oh, deep to yeah. me. Uh, the, the run that they're on, they're they're playing they're playing at a really high level. So yeah, because that, uh, that was a wild overtime. A defensive juggernaut, Coach Mick Cronin, and then now Man. he's got he's got three or four guys he can go to that can get buckets by themselves. I, I yeah. and. My frustration with Bama is partly because I had them in the final four. So still needing to surrender my bracket. Uh, we need to re- <laughs> revisit, unpack bracket. this from a couple weeks ago. But That's right. To, to hit that three, to send it into overtime, and then lay an egg in overtime, oh. how do you not take advantage of that momentum? All that momentum. props. All, got yeah, the momentum. momentum. What more momentum do you need to, cl- to, cl- to claw back? Oh. Buzzer beater to go to OT. I mean, props to UCLA for weathering that momentum and coming out, going up seven early in overtime. I mean, I, I guess all the props to UCLA, but man, that, that momentum was a gift for Bama, and they just didn't take advantage. No, they did not. All right, so we've only got a few minutes left on the show. Uh, last week, we talked about commercials. And so during the first weekend of March Madness, I'm able to you know watch multiple games at once, and so I wasn't forced to 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 watch too many of the commercials. I mentioned I didn't like the subway commercial; it's just a goofy one. Uh, <laughs> but here's what I realized this weekend: way more commercials because you're only watching one game at a time, so it's very oh, it's, it's difficult at, at times. Brutal. But I will say this: I am thrilled. They got David Robinson, my favorite NBA player, to do a commercial. He's got he's got one line. He nails it. And to see him a part of the madness, I absolutely love it. And then throw in D-Rob with Dikembe Mutombo waving the, the, the finger in a very goofy commercial, but to bring him. And how about him running around? He's like running around the grocery store, store swatting at things. He's still, still got it. Good. He's still Dikembe got it. Still got it. He can still block shots in the NBA. Suit that guy up. Man. <laughs> The Lakers, they're they're begging for somebody to be out there healthy as a big man. 
Sign oh, him yeah. up. <laughs> those guys are studs, man. David Robinson and Dikembe Mutombo. Oh, Love it. Man. Those are, those are my hilarious. guys. Those are my just, guys from the 90s. I think, yeah, I just think we need to outlaw the TurboTax commercials. It driving me wild. The free, uh, free, 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 free. Oh, my free. God. Turn that and, off. And also, I was talking to my wife. Definitely, definitely overselling the product there. I because <laughs> we're it's, it's a it's doing your taxes season and she's looking at TurboTax other places she's like mm, definitely a little clickbait on that commercial I'm not getting anything for free on TurboTax so no no I'm out on that yeah. exactly yeah I think there's like a Rocket Mortgage one too that drives me nuts but uh, but anyway I love love seeing Dikembe and and D Rob um, all right one other we'll, we'll touch on a little NFL as as we wrap things up as as well and and so. Joe Flacco. All right. So the Philadelphia Eagles, they move on from Carson Wentz. They've got Jalen Hurts, who I like Hurts. I'm rooting for Hurts. I'd like to see him be the guy there. Uh, I thought it was it was time for them to move on from Wentz. That was best case scenario for, for both sides. I don't know why they put in Hurts last year the way that they did with Wentz. That was a total mess. But but anyway, now they've decided to bring in Joe Flacco. So first off, Joe Flacco's still playing. Joe, Joe Flacco's still in the NFL. When's the last time he's completed a pass? I would like to know. And and to me, this guy, because he won a Super Bowl, not, I don't want to just, you know, totally rail on the guy, but but come on, come on, Joe. To me, the best guys in the NFL are those that know know their role and and understand where they're at in their career. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is everybody's favorite. Who doesn't love Ryan Fitzpatrick? Now, last year. He embraced being Tua Tungavailoa's backup, which right? was so Remember great. So season? great. Uh, love. He, I mean, inc- maybe the best attitude, uh, all attitude award, first team. Yeah. Now, now, did he admit that he wanted to be the starter? Did he admit, man, I'm playing well. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go out. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a mentor, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, be great for for Tua. And all indications before the season, and then when he actually got benched, a little bit surprisingly, midway through the season, he handled it well. And, and now what is Fitzpatrick? He's got an opportunity to start in Washington. Be a good guy. Do the right thing. And the opportunities will present themselves. Josh McCown, another one of those guys. He played 10 more years than he ever should have. <laughs> Mr. <Why>? Eternal. <laughs> because he's a great guy. Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel just signed again. He's going to, to the LA Chargers. I mean, this guy's made more money per completion yes. than anybody ever. Hundred, like, thousand, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars per pass ridiculous but he's yeah. a great guy and he he owns the, the the mentor role so here comes joe flacco heading to philadelphia apparently he grew up as a, a philadelphia eagles fan uh which is which is funny and then he went to to delaware and app state beat delaware in the national championship just to remind you once again um <laughs> but but here here's the, the thing so apparently joe flacco told reporters that while he'd like to think he and hertz can make each other better he was brought in to play football not to serve as a mentor. Hmm. I don't like it. I don't like it. Now, I, I can understand it. Like, if you're, a, if you're a competitive player, you want to play football, right? You want to be out there, and I totally understand that. It doesn't mean that you, you, you uh, throw in the, the cleats earlier than you should. But, dude, Joe Flacco, you're not a starter anymore, man. You don't have it. You haven't shown it in, in a long time. A long time. I mean, you know, he had some neck neck or something. He had some major injury at one point. And so the, the fact that he's still around is, is great. Good for him. And he, he's won a Super Bowl. So he, he has a lot to be able to share with a younger quarterback. That's your value. That's what you bring to the table. Embrace that. Now, if you're called upon at some point in the season, maybe Jalen's struggling and, and maybe you're playing really well in, in practice and you do get a, ch- a chance to, to go out and play, yeah, go light it up and 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 go for it. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has experienced that. Josh McCown has experienced that. But to go in and say, yeah, not to serve as a mentor. They'll say, yeah, I'll be a mentor, but I'm here to play. To me, it's just I don't like the the mentality. And maybe I'm looking too much into it, but but I just appreciate and respect the players that say, I- I'm here to compete, I'm here to play, but I'm also here for the next generation of players. Because somewhere along the way, um, players poured into you, and 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 even yeah, I just th- I just think that that's the the better the better 
approach. And I think for all of us in life, that's the attitude to have. People are going to take our jobs. People are going to, you know, push, push us out of different roles in, in life. Uh, it's part of, it's just, it kind of happens. And, and we work as hard and we compete, you know, as long as we can, but, but pass it on, pass it on, man. That, that, that's my mentality. So Luke will take my job here soon enough, but I'm, I'm going to pour into him in, in the meantime. But, uh, but anyway, what, what do you, am I, am I looking too into that? Am I, am I being unfair to Joe Flacco? No, I mean, I'm definitely going to take your job in a couple of years. <laughs> All, all joking, all joking. You, you've got a <laughs> hey. You're you're still uh. You've got a lot of life in you. Yeah, that's you're, right. I'm not the veteran yeah. by any means. I'm no Joe Flacco, <laughs> old Joe Flacco. Even though we probably graduated the same year. No, it, it's hard to let go. It's it, it's almost like you're stuck in between. I want to be confident. I'm in the NFL. I need to be confident. Have a confident mentality, but also. You need a little humble pie, realize not that realistic time to let go time to realize your role. It's hard to accept roles that aren't glorious. Mm. So like, it's just not a, a, it's like if he accepts it, his role as a mentor, as a backup, he can make a lot more money. He can play a lot more years, but it's just not as glamorous. So it's hard, but it's really hard to let go. I mean, you see, you see that in all all walks of life. Coaches that basically have tenure at a university that should have been gone ten year, five years earlier <laughs> that are still holding on. I'm like, dude, you can't recruit anymore. You can't coach. You can barely stand up on the sideline. It's time to let go, but the university yeah. will never let them go. I know. I know. It's, it's kind of like that. It's hard. It's hard to let go. Well, to me, though, like a guy who was like the starter, like Eli Manning, when, remember when he got – got benched like that was that was tough but he actually took the high road on, on that with with was it yeah. Dan or Gino maybe Gino came in first I, was just, I think Gino I was just upset the, what was it, the last game of the season to just to was absurd was to ruin it, his record ruin, yeah his streak of consecutive starts oh that was bogus so that one to me is different whereas Joe Flacco dude you're a backup at this stage of your career you're not a starter I like you haven't been so that, that's my point so so to me then okay you're a backup part of the role as a backup is being a mentor you're either a backup and you're a young player developing like Jordan Love in, in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to learn as much from Aaron Rodgers. And, and even I would even argue that, that Aaron Rodgers, pour into the next guy. You know you didn't like it when Brett Favre blew you off. So be different. Pour into Jordan Love. And he might take your job in a couple years. But, but to me, then that legacy lives on. And then you can, you can sit back and, and you're sitting on your recliner years later going, man, I poured into that guy. Look at him. Now he's a star. That's and- awesome. And, I, mean, I, I just love that mentality. And you automatically, I mean, this could be a little self-serving, but it to it's almost like this idea, this 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 idea of self selfishly doing something selfless. So Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> if he pours into Jordan Love, selfishly he could think, I become a talking point for the rest of Jordan Love's career. <laughs> they bring up Jordan Love, they bring up me pouring into him. I mean, like, why not? You get to yeah. see your name on Sports Center every time Jordan Love has a good game. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers really mentored in the last couple of years of his of his career. That's right. Hey, count me in for that, Joe Flacco. If Jalen Hurts has any success, you be the guy that poured into him. Why not? Yeah. And it sets you up to be a coach in the future. Absolutely. It just, it's, there's there's a lot of benefits to it totally. than him hanging on thinking he's going to get out there and, and take the starting job for Philly this year. And it's not I, like I, he had a, he had a, a quick fall from greatness. I mean, it's been. <laughs> It's been a steady decline for for years. Now, to his credit, Super Bowl winner, so we'll give him some love for that. Absolutely. And it had a nice nice career in Baltimore and, and a ring of honor, a, a Raven Hall of Famer. But he's not oh, a pro absolutely. football Hall of Famer. I don't think, hey, he, right? No, no. I mean, no, it's for no. – it, it, I don't know. <laughs> no. Matt, Matt Ryan has a better case, and he never won a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco's in the eternal debate of is Joe Flacco elite? I mean, it's That's become right. it's become a meme at this point. But yeah, we, we can't just let every quarterback, every best quarterback in. Otherwise, right. then, Winning, then, then Jake DeLome deserves to go. Why <laughs> can't Jake DeLome then? If Joe Flacco's going, Jake DeLome's going, and then we've just watered down the whole thing. So let's not do that. You had to plug App State twice. Now you're plugging Jake DeLome. I got my guys. <laughs> I got Bryce Stewart today. I got I got all my guys. <laughs> I got David Robinson in today. That's right, man. What a show! You gotta give give some love to Kobe and Curry. We're all right. we're all set. That's so right. There's there's successful, a we, successful show. Plugging all your guys. That's like a complete game. 
I just, I just <laughs> threw a complete game today, a complete right. show. We that's did right. it. We did oh, it. Oh man. Oh, that's hilarious. No. But yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see about Mr. Joe. It's, but that's yeah, right. I mean, yeah. at minimum credit where credit's due, he's got some major, as Shaq would say, G14 classification, Super Bowl winner. But I agree with you. Super Bowl isn't an automatic ticket. It's not the golden ticket to the Hall of Fame. That's right. That's, yeah, I can't just be, yeah, that can't buy you, buy you one, uh, buy you a trip, uh, buy you a gold jacket. There you go. Um, all right, so we, we've run out of time. I, I would have liked to, to maybe talk a little bit Zion. That's, my, I, that, that's the other guy to add to the complete game. He's lighting it up for the Pelicans. Uh, man, he's dominating. Incredible. Some of his stats, what he's putting up at this stage of his career, remarkable. So he's a topic for, for future weeks. And then also as the NFL draft approaches, the news about Trevor Lawrence not attending the draft as the number one pick, I find very interesting. And, and I'm not sure that I know which side I'm on yet. I, I, I think I side with the player initially uh, because you should do, you want to experience that first pick however you want. If you want to experience with your family, uh, then, then go for it. But I think it's a, it can also be selfish because this is for the NFL. Like this is the NFL draft. You're, you're entering into the bigger scope of the NFL. And part of the deal is you show up, you shake the hand of the, the commissioner last year was different with the, with the Rona and it was virtual. Uh, but this year seems like we're heading a little bit more in person uh, with that. So I don't know. I'm a little torn on that. So, so unpack that throughout the week. Maybe we'll get into it, but do you have an initial thought on that Luke? As we, as we say goodbye, my, my thought is what do you dream of as a kid? With the so-and-so yeah. pick of the NFL draft, the, this team selects in your name to walk out there, oh, to hold the jersey, shake the hand. I mean, I, not once has anyone ever imagined watching that on TV. You grow up, like, dreaming of having your name called. So I, I, I just hope he doesn't regret it. Yeah, I know, because that's the one shot. Now, you, you're with your family at home on the couch. I guess that's cool because we, we see we plays of those. But to me, that's like if you're a fourth rounder, those are great moments. But if you're the and, first overall pick, you get the you're the one chance. That's it. And I, and I can understand that because I'm a major homebody. I mean, I'm a homebody Hall of Famer. I can stay home <laughs> and just watch TV all day. I don't need to get outside for days. But still, uh, oh, to pass up on having your name announced and walk across the stage, that's just once in a it's life. Surprising. That is, it's just a surprising thing. So uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that as, uh, as the draft quickly approaches. But the Elite Eight tonight and tomorrow night, enjoy the, the madness. I, I've got Zaga and Baylor in my championship uh, on my original bracket. So as bad as it looked after uh, the first weekend, I got at least half of the, the Elite Eight right, and uh, I'll, I'll be pulling for, for Zaga-Baylor. So uh, thanks so much for listening to the show today. Great job out of Luke. Thanks to all of our listeners and commenters. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast later on, we always appreciate the emails. Bryce at unpackingit.com is the email. And as we wrap things up, I always let you know that, that I'm, I'm Bryce and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. It's Holy Week. It's Easter week. We think about the cross even, even more this week, and, and hopefully we think about it every day and think about what, what, what Jesus did for us on that cross, but, but it's highlighted this week as we have this opportunity to reflect and, and celebrate what God has done for us to, to open up this, this way for us to know him, to be saved, to spend eternity with him, and to live each day with him. We talked earlier about shot selection. We can take good shots as we walk with Jesus each day. He leads us and guides us, changes us from the inside out. And that, that started on the, on the cross when he paid the price for all of us and invites us to know him and follow him and, and to invite him into our life. And so I hope that's true for you today. Happy Easter. Uh, man, Jesus is alive. We celebrate it every day. We celebrate it here at Unpacking It. Enjoy the, uh, the devotional later today. Uh, we send that out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Make sure you subscribe, unpackingit.com. If you ever want to join us for an unpacked lunch, email me. I'll let you know the details for that. You can join us and hang out with some other sports fans around the country on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. For Luke, I'm Bryce. Thanks for listening. This has been the Unpacking It Live podcast. 
For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.